Shut up and sit down. All right, everybody, we are back. I apologize for the hiatus, but when you're hunting, you know that that takes precedence on a on a hunting podcast. Uh, we've done a pretty good job of making sure we've got content and everything logged, but um, you know, with the travel and family and everything, you know, we're just getting back into the swing of things. John is actually currently in the Bridgers, uh, hunting solo. So, um, they did get an elk down in their party. He's had some excitement. He did shoot a mule deer. Um, so we'll get to that as soon as John gets back. Our whitetail season starts this Thursday. Uh, so when this podcast comes out, October 1st, uh, will be when, uh, our season opens for, um, whitetails and, uh, we're just gonna be going nonstop from there. We're going to be going back and forth. I've got some whitetail content. We're going to wrap up uh, our elk hunts and everything like that. We've got some good guests lined up, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun season. Uh, really looking forward to it. And uh, you know, if you guys get success um, and want to share it with the podcast, I've reached out to some of our patreons. You know, uh, that have already had success this year uh, hunting out of state and things. But you know, if you got a good story or anything. We definitely want to incorporate that into the show. So uh, reach out, social media, get a hold of us, and uh, and we'll get you on here. I mean, we've had some friends that have killed some elk. We've had some kids, uh, some friends that have, uh, you know, had issues uh, killing elk just like we have. And, you know, those are always fun conversations to have as well. You know, things that, uh, you know, we wish we could do differently, things like that. Um, but, you know, we've got another episode coming up here for you. You know, still brought to you by Tacticam, uh, the easiest way to begin filming your hunts. Uh, that uh, Tacticam Solo, uh, that's what I've got on my bow right now. Um, the old men have the the 4K 5.0s and the wides, um, and they're going to be using those, you know, hopefully to capture as much of uh, their hunts as uh, possible. They'll be out opening day. Um, I'll be working... And like I say, John's in, in Montana, but hopefully we're going to get you some some of that Tacticam footage so we can show you, you know, what's going on with uh, with that. And uh, if these old guys can do it, you know, certainly it's going to be easy for for someone who's a little bit more tech savvy. Um, and I'd mentioned our Patreons, so we've got our Patreon giveaway. Um, so next week week's episode um, after that the that Wednesday uh, we will do the giveaway for. Uh, this quarterly uh, giveaway for our Patreons. So that's going to be a set of the B-Sticks. Uh, we do have one of those uh, Tacticam solo packages uh, as well as a base map package, uh, one of their pro packages. So um, you can get 20% off, although they've been having some great deals on Camel Fire that, that kind of blows that out of the water. You can get base map for the entire year if you're watching on Camel Fire for about 18 bucks. Um, and if you can't find that, you can use the code Chronicles uh, going through uh, online. You can't do it from your phone. Um, but if you use the code Chronicles, you can get it for 20% off, and that ends up being like $24 for the year. So uh, compared to some of the other ones, that's you know a great deal, especially if you're just getting into uh, using some of the online maps. Uh, but we'll be giving that away 
and you can check out uh, our Patreon. You can get signed up. I mean, basically, it's like a five dollar raffle ticket. So right now, if you were to get signed up, you'd have a chance to win, you know, a set of the B sticks for five bucks. And you can do that at bowhunterchroniclespodcast.com or you can go to patreon.com forward slash bowhunterchroniclespodcast. But we are also giving away a three pack of the three step hawk heliums uh, just to anybody. Um, we've got a, a post on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's got a set of the sticks up there. Um, and all you got to do is like that post and go subscribe to our YouTube channel. So we're at about 860. We're trying to get to a thousand. We're really close. Um, so if you haven't checked out our YouTube page, uh, certainly do that. We're putting up, uh, content as much as we can, as fast as we can produce it. And that just ends up being editing it. So, um, but this one is just a wrap up of the Colorado trip with Frank, Ernie, and I. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. There's a lot of Uncle Frank, so uh, that's always a hit. But uh, you know, if you like what we're doing, and uh, you know, Patreon's not your thing, no big deal. Just tell somebody else about the podcast. And if you really like what we're doing, leave us a review. So we get thousands and thousands of downloads but no reviews i think we're just under 100 reviews so um either you guys are listening to these episodes over and over and over again or uh you guys just aren't leaving us reviews so um if you could do that that really helps us get in front of more people and getting in front of more people um you know is is kind of how we kind of grow this thing and and take it to the next level so uh we really do appreciate everybody that listens uh, if you could tell a friend that'd be great leave us a review but moreover thanks for listening enjoy the episode hey everybody welcome back to another episode of the bowhunter chronicles podcast adam frank and ernie gonna recap our trip to colorado and uh it seems like forever you guys remember how to do this uh, yeah, vaguely. Been a while. Yeah, no kidding. I feel like it's been forever. So, you guys, so we went to Colorado. Um, I guess it would be Western Colorado. Uh, yeah, it's just a couple hundred miles west of the Denver area, and roughly. Okay. Yeah, I've, a I've, lot of mountains there. I flew out there. You guys drove so I figured you'd have a better idea um so you guys headed out there a couple days before the season and so how did that all work out that worked well we we actually left four days prior to the season took a couple days to get there roughly day and a half day and yeah I guess a day and a half um then we had after getting set up we had two full days look around okay now, how many like when you guys got out there for the opener um how what was the pressure like or how many guys were out there or how many guys were you running into when we first got there it wasn't that bad really it was you know i mean we expected to see some people you know some hunters but uh it wasn't it wasn't too bad the, the pressure you know uh when we first, the first two days of scouting and then when we started to hunt, but, uh, where, where the pressure came from though was, uh, when they, the muzzleloader season opened up 
yeah. just prior to that. And that that's right when I showed up there. So, um, but before we get get to that, so like, how did your opening day go? What was the? I mean, how how, how did you guys hunt start? And, I mean, was it what you expected as far as the terrain? Uh, every <laughs> you know, the the your your fitness planning and uh, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, how how did? Well, my first trip in with a quad. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, we're going to be going up and down these places, right? I practically crapped my pants, <laughs> jammed my wrist first day because I was squeezing so hard, hitting hairpin turns, going down, turning in rock piles and up and down. You have to go up and down two mountains just to get where we wanted to be. Boy, it was, uh, I wasn't expecting that, but. As time went on, it was okay. So you could have just did less biking and a little bit more motocross. And that would have. I think. That well, would've. day day one, no bullshit. Day one, I got down. We went back to the house. I said, I have now rode more quad miles than I've rode in my life because I've <laughs> never owned one, but I've been on them. One day out there. That's so all it took. Totally new experience, though. The the way the. The terrain was and stuff, you know. Oh, you, my. You, you're thinking, you know, gravel roads back home, you know, or stuff like that, you know. It's no, no, that's not even close. It's everything's rocks. We should have filmed some of the the main road. How south could you going though? out of it was like I had to stop. It was unbelievable what some of them people were pulling like a camper back through. One guy stuck right in the middle of the road. Vehicle slid over, back down, pinched the trailer. He was done. I don't know how he got out. Huge hole. It was. It was the entire center of the road was was a was a mud you know pit like washout. They were going around each side trucks, you know, just not just quads but trucks. And this guy, I I saw him just before he did it. You know, I mean, he waved at me. You know, hey, hey he went by us, going back in. You know, and and when Wilkes came out, he goes. Eh. Dude's like right straight up in the air on the frame back there, you know, in the middle. I said, you went in that hole? Yep. Well, now this, mind you, is after eight inches of snow up there right. and then a day of light rain. Yeah. Yeah. So, so before we get into that, and I mean, anybody that's following along or, you know, has kind of been watching the progress of elk season, you know, uh, or on your feeds online or anything like that. I mean, Colorado got a super early snow, um, which, you know, kind of hamstrung you guys i think oh, but, but 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 before you get into that like so i mean like i say so you get there it's opening day you guys set off and ernie shits his pants on the quad and he says this is <laughs> this is absurd uh what you know where do you go well, from what there? we did though in the afternoon of the second day of scouting before the first day of season we decided to spike camp up there so i thought well this is gonna be a lot better I, you know, I just eliminated one hour of quad ride, right? At least an hour. And then on Hell's Canyon, two of those down in there, cows, you know, it was always something. But I was pretty happy about that, except uh, when I tried to go to sleep the first night and got a little claustrophobia inside <laughs> what they told me was a two-man tent. <laughs> That's bullshit there. It's two two little well, Chinamen got, that make the tent. It got pretty warm because actually that thing held heat. So I'm trying to take some stuff off. There's no room in there. 
trying to get it off. I ain't got any fresh air. I looked down. Everything's zip tight. So I tried to unzip the fly. Got the tent open. Tried to unzip the fly, and the damn thing material got caught in the zipper. This is, mind you, at, I don't know, 2 in the morning. I just, I just got to sleep. And I'm starting to get a little pissed. So I was saying some bad things after I was struggling with it, and Frank thought something was getting in his tent. I thought something was trying to get in my tent, man, <laughs> until, until he started talking, you know, because it kept going. It'd go. Oh, I was shaking going, the whole thing. And I'm going, I, I don't think it's that big, you know what I mean? So I'm not really, I didn't want to get the 357 out, you know, and I thought, no, nah, it's not that big, you know. And then all of a sudden I hear on him, motherfucking son of a bitch, you know. And I said, it's just Aaron. <laughs> so then I got my light out, took a look, seen what the problem was, calmed down a little bit, unzipped it, got some fresh air, felt great. So I got over that little episode. Okay. And what time are you got? So you're you're sleeping out there. What time are you getting up and then getting going hunting? Because that's one of the things that John and I, you know, when when we were in Idaho, you know, we we did not get to where we were going early enough. I, I don't think, and that's one thing. Being out there, and we'll get to like when I w- got to hunt and everything. But you know, having the quads. I mean, I probably did you know a, a few less miles i i was looking at my my watch and everything that i i probably average about 5 to 6 miles a day um while we were out there but that didn't include the quad ride to and from so you know when john and i were doing you know 10 plus miles a day we were walking 5 miles to and from getting to where we were hunting you know so the amount of time that was spent you know, dinking around in transit, you know, cause we weren't right where we needed to be. You know, we weren't just off of the elk when we were in Idaho and, and we didn't have anything to take us, you right. know, you know, so, so what time are you guys getting up and getting going and getting in the woods? Typically they were busted getting up around five, wanting to get where you're going by about, you know, six thirty. Yeah, it was light about six fifteen. Yeah, that time, wasn't it? Like It was getting there. Yeah, well, it was full moon that first yeah, hunt, part all, of the hunt. Man, it it was, was crazy. It was, I could walk around in the middle of the night. You could. You, a it lot looked of like light. somebody was holding a light outside your tent, dude. And that moon yeah. is closer when you're up there, buddy. <laughs> we're, yeah. We were spiked at 9,600. But, yeah, first day, I think we both sat morning, evening. Yeah. Day two, morning. Then I went with uh, Dan Jr., in the afternoon, and then he happened to kill that one that night. So, that, you, so you were up with him when he killed when he shot that one. I was behind him two tenths of a mile. He had dropped me at one of the two water holes he found. Okay, and he just was headed to the other water hole and simply froze in his tracks because he could smell out nice. coming from down up above him. The uh, when. The breeze was coming down. The thermals were coming down, so he got lucky and smelled it. Quickly set up and ended up calling him in. Okay. So then, so Dan kills the elk the second night. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so did, what did he do? Come get you, and then you guys went and well, how did that go? He got it, and he wanted to get that done and opened it up, tied it open, and then come told me what he did. He threw some clothes on it. He said, we'll just come get it in the morning. So that's what we did. We all, five... Well, quite a few of us went in there. Yeah, there was a bunch of us. Four, 
four of us carried quarters and meat. Junior carried the elk head, cape, and stuff. You carried all the other packs the out. Gear, yeah. And then uh, Harry. Yeah, Harry. I think all seven guys. John carried meat. Uh, you did. Who else? Dan. Dan. And Dan, senior. Yeah. And so that pretty much ate up the third day? Yeah, then we yeah. traveled and got it down back to the trailers, back to the house. Then they grabbed the huge cooler, big cooler. We need one of these things, right? <laughs> it's a 250-quart Pelican. Wow. Yeah. Uh, sadly enough, the guy that owns it, Paid a hundred bucks for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, then he had to take it to Silt, which is 23 miles of bullshit road. Oh, man. That was, well, you know what that part of it was, but the other part was just nasty. That was bad road. But then he got a dude to debone it and freeze it for him. The guy only charged him 75 bucks to do it. It's hmm. pretty reasonable. Uh, keep the meat, you know, there until, you know, he picked it until up. He picked so. it up. Yeah, that ate up. Day three. But he the the going back to the kill, when he called that bull in, right after he did, he he kind of yelled and then he bugled, you know, to trying let, to get my attention to get Ernie's attention or whatever. Well, another a five by five came in too, you know. So here he's sitting, you know, he's he'd already killed his elk and there's another one right there, hmm. you know. So it was a pretty cool, pretty cool experience, really, you know. So then day three. You know, you guys do the pack out. And then, like, it, it was kind of a bitch where you guys were staying when you weren't spiked out. So, going down, like, so you you guys rented a house. Right. But you couldn't ride your four-wheelers from the house. So it was kind of fucked up. Well, well, we couldn't cross what's called the dam. The dam at the Vega Reservoir. You know? Couldn't cross it. So, we, we were under the assumption that, that we were going to be able to, you know, I guess they had to repair it or something. Well, within the last year, you know, and so when we get the house there, they said, oh, yeah, you should be able to ride your quads right from there. No, you have to trailer from there over to a trailhead, you know, on the other side. And Which it wasn't, you know, was it wasn't fine. You can leave them right there as long know. as you want. We left them right in the trailers, you know, or whatever. You know, that's what the other guys were doing, too. But it was still, it, it was a lot more uh, travel than I expected. You know, I figured that we were going to be closer to where we were hunting, you know, but uh, in retrospect, it wasn't, you know, it was like you're quite a ways away. So it was, it was a lot of, a lot of preparation, a lot of work, you know, just to, to get into the woods, you know, unless you stayed there, you know, at the spike camp, you know, which was. Hour and five minutes. Yeah. On quads away. Yeah. From the, from the parking lot. Into Hell's Canyon. <laughs> And then, okay, so after you, you guys, you know, pack the bull out and take care of that, did everybody go back to the house or did you? Yeah, I think everybody spent the night in the house. Yeah. Well? Yeah, I think we did. Or, did we? No, Dan and, and uh, John, I think, went back up. Yeah, they went right back up. They went back and up. And we went back up midday the next day. We hunted a day and a half, and then we had a winter snow yeah. warning. So we're trying to figure out what it's going to be about, and this – so how did you get that? Because you had an inReach, but it was like kind of fucked up, or you couldn't get it to work. It was a fifty-fifty deal. So how did you get the winter storm warning? Or Dan, 
uh, Junior has a Explorer. Okay. So he was able to get that, and then we watched it stuff, and then we were trying to determine what we want to do. So I think we made the call, which was that's at, at hindsight. We probably should have took an inventory on our water and everything like that and said we can weather the storm and we can still hunt because what it did is it knocked us out of there for a couple of days because of how treacherous it was getting in and out. Just to, just to get in there was... There was mud and water coming down down the, the two the, tracks in there when the you're mud. going up. And so the when you're going down, you're sliding down with them. And there's cases where to their left... If you get off there, it'll be a long time before you stop. So, so you guys think that you know if you, if, if you would have had enough water and gear to to, to weather it, it would have been better to just stay up on the mountain. Well, and then, well, the, yeah, because the, the hunting two full it, days, yeah, yeah it, it, and it rained, and it didn't help. It rained all day, day and a half after the snow. And there's right, eight inches right. up on the high elevations, probably. Four inches, yeah, down in the lower ones, but it well, once it, it started getting nice, it snowed the one day, then it snowed the next morning, and then it started raining. Turned over to rain that turned day. Turned over to rain that day, and all the next day, all the next day it rained. You know, so the then the, we the roads got that back were, out. were shit before were really shit. You know, when you go back, it was like more exposed rocks. You know, big huge puddles in the roads, and then. Once you started onto the trail, uh, these trails were, were below 50 inches, you know, you, you saw them. Mm-hmm. And once you get on those, it's like, you know, it's like a freaking roller coaster is what it was, you know. It ain't like it's the trail's wide there. One side's always down and one side's always up, regardless. I mean, that's the way it works. You're going, you're side hilling huge mountains and switchbacks. And so... Um you know, after the rain and you guys try and get back out there or, or whatever, what day are you at on your, oh God, your hunt? We, were like, we pulled out on a Tuesday uh, evening. Afternoon, we pulled camp. Suffered through, or was it Monday night? No, Monday was the last day of the holiday. See, those yeah. the holiday weekend, they yeah. didn't get hit. Yeah. But it got, we got, it come in Tuesday night yeah. through Wednesday, Thursday. Back out Friday in the snow with the quads. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, all nine people were out there looking, looking, looking. Figured we'd find a bunch of stuff in the snow, but um, didn't go back where we really wanted to because I had a pucker issue with the trails. <laughs> we went up the first part into the, into the Aspens, you know, and uh, I stopped and I, I didn't see Ernie behind me, you know, so I shut my machine off, and I didn't hear Ernie behind me, so I'm going, oh, man. It was, it was kind of an issue down there with the one spot that I knew. So you go ahead and tell them about that. Well, you're going halfway up this quite a steep line, and you got mud coming down, just trickling through the the runs for the quad tires. And about halfway up sits this big, like, ledge root. On the right-hand side. So I tried to just climb over it, right? Four-wheel drive, mind you. Low range. Started climbing over it. Got a wheel over it. And then, boom, just spin. So I backed up. I actually slid down probably 100 to 150 feet. Backwards. Backwards. 
<laughs> like that. All the way to the bottom. <laughs> Went again. What? Hit her pretty hard. Well, low range, right? And it's spinning pretty good. Hit it. Boom. Stuck again. <laughs> I went back down a little further. He was getting a lot of experience back. Took a deep breath, <laughs> hit high range, hit her a little harder, right? When I hit it, my front wheels bounce way up off the ground like that. My rear come up and hit it and launch me up in the air. And thank God I landed in the two track. Got up to him and he was in a turnaround. He says, well, you all right? You want to go back? I go, yes, I do. Because <laughs> I'm just this close. You know, elk, death, <laughs> or go back home. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, I, on hindsight, I think, knowing more about it, you know. Yeah, I think if, if you if, took your sweet time, I think we'd have made it back yeah, there. I think, though, if we'd have stayed up there originally. But it was a much, short, no, much it more was dangerous. Everybody's choice, you know what I mean? And it was like. It was tough. You we know, were concerned with water freezing, too. Yeah, everything. You know, we didn't know what was, you know, how bad it was going to get, you know. And, you know, are we, you going to get back out of there, you well, know, because there's only one way out, you know. We erred on the side of caution. Right. The chicken shit side. Well, <laughs> you know. Well, and for your first time out there, I mean, up to this point in the story, like, what was your, how did it meet your expectation or what did um, you? I was fine. With that, I mean, I had no clue what the extra added pressure was going to do to the animals, not to mention um, tremendous heat all summer, two huge fires to the north taking out a quarter million acres, uh, all the added people because they couldn't hunt where they wanted to, couldn't hunt Idaho. I mean, this whole thing, after we added all up, the change of events happened right there, 11th, 12th, it was... and it got it got crazy. It really reminded me. When we went to the other side and met up with you and, and Joe, it reminded me big time of uh, gun season in Michigan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. Well, everywhere there, we but went. But it's quad there, crazy. There, I mean, there, I wasn't expecting everywhere that. Everywhere we went. Yeah, everywhere. Orange. It people was, in town saying, man, it's crazy how many people are here. Yeah. But they said, why? Oh, yeah. Well, you, know, you figure it out. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they can't hunt those other areas, you know. Yeah. So and I don't know if Idaho was the only in, one or Pushed into or there, what? you know. Yeah. So how long from the time where you turned around and said, okay, we're not going to hunt there, did you come and meet up then with us? Because I flew in on Friday uh, the 11th, and the, and the muzzleloader season started the 12th, and that's when, that's when we met up with you guys, which was that Saturday. Yeah, because I think. The day we were on them quads and stuff was either Thursday, Thursday or Friday. Yeah, Thursday, I think it was. So we couldn't get up there. Then we all met back at the house, and that here it's going to be Friday. And, well, you, and you guys had guys come all the way from Ohio and bail after a day, right? Yeah, they hunted one evening. They hunted two or three hours. One evening. They hunted. Junior took them out, you know, and. Then it was like but they you know, they couldn't they were in the position they couldn't do nothing on their own they were just waiting for someone to take them out, but yeah and then they because of the weather all that stuff, um they bailed and then uh, Dan and I don't even John think, went home did they have a day uh, early did they have tents and stuff No they didn't I come prepared for they, spike I don't camp even think they did. Yeah. That's what hurt yeah. I mean, they had to go all the way back and then they wouldn't make it back in the morning Yeah they were leaving. 
they'd, they'd we'd go the out camp, you know we'd hunt you know that night and then they'd leave and take off and come you know we're going to come back in the morning you know and he was like man that's well they went down and had breakfast yeah so they went to town and everything you know but i mean it was you know over half a day before you know they would ever come back you know so then I fly in, meet up with Joe. We get up, load up a, a four-wheeler for me, go and meet you guys in the little town there, have some breakfast or lunch, head out to the spot, get your <laughs> your tent set up. Um, one that was found on the side of the road. <laughs> Say, oh, there's all the pieces there. It was a big one. It was, it was huge, but it probably wasn't quite thick enough for uh, – what, what you guys did? No, it gets damn cold at night up there. Yeah, so, I mean, that's one thing I noticed when we are in Idaho. And, I mean, I've experienced it in the Marines being in the mountains in California before. But it, it's hard to, you know, when you you explain to somebody, you know, well, like when we were going out there when it's like, all right, we'll prepare for 20 degrees to 90 degrees. It's like, mm-hmm. how the hell do you do that? But it's. It's pretty real. It wasn't far off. It was oh, 80 yeah, during the day, yeah. and it got in the 30s there. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. very, yeah, it wasn't far very off. realistic, you know. And as soon as the sun goes down, oh, man, man. It's, oh. it's cold. Over I mean, the mountain, dude, it's it's done. You better have well, you already on. You already have the cool air yeah. coming off the mountains right. for the last two, three hours of dark, and then it just, whoa. You have, you know, all of a sudden it's like you put a put a sweatshirt on or, a, or you know, a long sleeve shirt. Then five minutes later... I'm putting the puffy on, you know, and, and then the, then you got a stocking cap on, you know, and it's like. Well, here here was my sleeping attire once we figured out. What we ended up doing was taking a few things out of the 16-foot closed trailer, and we put our blow-up mattresses in there and got all cozy. Glad I figured, well, it's got to be better because <laughs> the wind would blow, shake the tent, and all that cold air would blast you. So... When I figured out what to wear, I had three thermal layers on, stocking hat, two heavy pair of socks, and I'd take the second heavy pair, roll it back down over my foot, throw my heavy camo bow hunting pants on, and then a hooded sweatshirt and pulled the hood up over. And then I threw, I'm laying on a blanket with a pillow, and a sleeping bag over me. And I still could have used more heat, you know, come middle of night. Yeah, so, uh, like, I was just trying to explain that a little bit, because you guys were sleeping in a tent at that point. Oh, you got to do it before you really understand. (laughs) I I mean, even I was sleeping in a camper, but the heat didn't work in the camper, so Uh it it, it was... definitely chilly in there as well but, I mean, but the sleeping on the air mattresses they don't they don't hold any heat you know, no especially well, when it's on the the trailer's cold trailer, on the bottom know? right you yeah. don't get the ground so and and they make some of those small ones like that you guys didn't care for the little blow-up kind they make some of those that are insulated mm-hmm. that have in our value and that they're designed specifically for for that so that may have or help. what would be perfect is one with heat. <laughs> or, or a cot, you know. A well, cot, where, where a you guys cot were sleeping would have been, would have uh, been perfect, like a mattress you know? was, yeah. is ideal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you could have had some kind of 
kind of a uh, you know thin mattress foam or whatever in between there on a cot, well, that would have been better, you know, because that's a huge learning curve. Well, in in, in like I say, I I had that uh, down quilt, you know, plus I had my big sleeping bag, you know, and what I did finally was, I at first I was laying on the the air mattress, you know, and that was NFG man, that was not good at all. So then I. I laid them both out, you know, and I'd roll the sleeping bag back, and then I would lay down on the the down one, you know, and just pull it over me like, you know, so my back was covered by that, and then pull my sleeping bag over the top, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's hard to, it's easy to second guess, and it's hard to explain, like, if you've got the right clothes and the you got it, like, figured out, but... Like, you know, you may have been hurting yourself by having all those clothes on because it was insulating <laughs> your body from letting that down actually work. Yeah. Because I had to peel her down a little bit once I yeah, got it right. I forgot my quilt, so I just had my little sleeping bag. Yeah. And so I was sleeping in a, just a pair of, like, uh, jogging pants, a pair of big socks, my merino lightweight hoodie. And then my puffy jacket over my sleeping bag. So I got in my sleeping bag and then put my arms out through my puffy and I zipped it up <laughs> around. So it held the heat from like the rest of my body. And um, and then since I didn't have my the quilt to throw over me, I had my one of my hunting sweatshirts. And that was my, you know, in the middle of the night where you get the one cold arm or whatever. Oh, that's yeah. what I, that's what I pulled over. You me, can but. tell anything that's acceptable to any kind of draft, <laughs> whether it's your ribs or your back or your leg. You can tell it don't yeah. take long. I thought it was somebody else's hand the one night. And I just <laughs> reached over there and it was so cold. It was leaning up against the side of the trailer, you know, and it was like. Your hand? Yeah, it was mine. <laughs> yeah. I grabbed it and I'm going, holy shit. What is, that's my hand, you know. <laughs> So, so when I I get there to get out there to hunt, and I, I felt like it kind of like you guys kind of got your dicks put in the dirt. I mean, by the time you got to like where we were at, it was a little bit like it was like you all the fun was taken out of it for a minute. It seemed like oh yeah, you guys yeah. seemed kind of beaten down a little we, bit. I mean, we, we had well, yeah, a lot of bad things happen. You know what I mean to us, and then you know. We're kind, of, we're kind of hoping, well, this will maybe know, we'll go over here and things will really change. You know, some you elk know? will be moving, and but then from what we heard from the the other guys there at the camp, you know, uh, they just elk kept getting pushed up higher and higher or whatever, you or know, next mountain, private land, or next whatever, mountain. You know? Yeah, I mean, uh, so in the last podcast that we put out, John and I, you know, John was talking about, you know, how was I doing on, you know, my e scouting and stuff like that, and it was hard. Uh, to see like how far away everything was like this mountain that mountain and it it really wasn't too bad i think one of the things that was the the i guess what kind of held us back is that like you didn't know kind of like what you guys had got into like let's say you get up at four in the morning you take off on your four-wheeler and you ride for you know 20 minutes half hour and you get over there and then there's 15 other quads or or something, and that's kind of like what you guys had run into the first first couple of days. Oh, yeah. So where Joe and I was hunting, they're really you know we t- set off that first night. And we walked by the neighbor at this water hole, and I, the neighbors that we had at camp 
were probably some of the nicest guys that I had ever oh, encountered, especially like in the public land realm. Mm-hmm. You know, the one guy, he, he kind of was close to the vest on where he was hunting. The other guy kind of went to two spots. He was just happy to be there and just, I mean, just the nicest guy. And so, you know, Joe, he's like, oh, this guy's going to be up here and we'll just go right past him. And, you know, in the whitetail woods, you'd be like, motherfucker, like, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, you're going to go cut me off or, you mm-hmm. you know, laying down your scent or, or whatever. And he's like waving at us and we're asking him what he saw and what he's heard and all this stuff. But, you know, we, we took this one mountain this peak and you know for the first couple days that's kind of where we focused and we went out there and there was a ton of elk sign ton of ton of moose sign nothing really super fresh but ran into another guy coming off of the the private or the trail down below but we either kicked out a bear or an elk right there found a pretty fresh rub and you know things were looking up we went up and around did some calling didn't really hear anything that first night and next morning we went out and bugled and we got, we were getting responses, you know, they were far off, but there was one here, one there. And, you know, we went and did some exploring and then finally, I think it was the next morning we got an actual good, like solid response that we were chasing. Man, we beat feet over there and we, we dropped down and here's this dude, like we didn't, it wasn't like we got Doug Flutie. That guy was, he couldn't have been further from calling. We dropped down and he's like, he was just getting off his four wheeler and he heard all this bugling coming from, and he's like, did you guys hear all that bugling? We're like, yeah. Were you calling too? And he's like, yeah. We're like, were you chuckling? And he's like, yeah. And he holds up a hoochie mama. And he's like, I was going, like, no, that's not what we heard, you know? So, have a little conversation with him, go on our merry way, drop down right about where we were, you know, we make the corner around this peak, look up onto the private and here scoots a cow and a calf right up out of the thing. And we were, we're thinking at this point, they were probably the last two elk that were moving away from all of the guys and squeaky Pete down there on the side of the hill. But, for us, I mean, that was a positive, right? We found some elk and, you know, so the next day we went and right back in there, didn't hear any bugles and came on some beds, found a wallow, found two wallows, looked on the map, found a, you know, where there was a pond when there was water. And that's one thing you guys, you know, even with all that snow, everything was dry. Oh, I mean, man. there was, you, you were really searching, searching, searching hard for water and, uh, you know, we were getting into spots where we were smelling elk and, you know, when we found that that set of wallows there on that side of the hill, you know, we had found where an elk had come down through and there was a big wet spot where he, you know, at first we saw all these busted off uh, branches and stuff and these saplings were all busted off and rubbed up and that was fresh. The spot was still wet and it was, you know, you could smell the elk right in it. And so we're like, you know, we're we're right on them. So we kept going, try to catch up with them and we just never could catch up with them. And then, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, we we're coming back into, as it's getting closer to the weekend again, you're getting more and more guys, you know, you'd see five trailers leave and seven trailers come in. And 
you know, and just, you know, I saw a, a pair of moose, you know, come into this one water hole and turns out uh, Joe was, uh, I, I didn't realize, a little f- afraid of moose. <laughs> I, did, I, I mean, I've only ever heard stories of moose, you know, I've never been in the woods, and, you know, so he had one in that same spot when they were scouting a much bigger moose kind of like walk him off the mountain but you know he did like a mating call to it and then it turned and said all right buddy there's your problem <laughs> and yeah. you know that would probably pucker up my butt I too i don't think that's Maybe. appropriate you know, you <laughs> and, that. but so we're we're there and these moose come in and he's i mean wide-eyed and like get your pistol <laughs> like it's you know you could get stomped to death so i mean the only experience is like my dad had one out and i think it was montana walk him down off this mountain you know and he's he just tells the story of he's got his 30 out six you know at the hip walking backwards and this moose is just walking down the trail right with him and you know so that's all i know about moose is you know this moose is trying to screw joe because he called at him and my dad getting walked down off the mountain and then now here's two of them within 40 yards of us you know and i don't know how they react to movement or or whatever well most of the most of the times that, that i've uh, you know encountered them if you don't if you don't mess with them you know intentionally like i said you don't mess with them they they pretty much leave you alone unless it's a cow and a calf cat then that could be a bad situation you know where she thinks you know your her calf is threatened then she'll she'll come after you but you know i think that's where a lot of people get stomped you know yeah well i don't know it was just like I've never seen a moose before, and now there's one within bow range, and I'm going, holy shit, you know. But we saw a bunch of mule, I mean, mule deer everywhere, and uh, saw a pine marten yeah. at about three feet, which was pretty neat. And I got some video of most of this stuff. And um, then the one day, Ernie went up to the wallow with Joe in the morning, and Frank and I got up a little bit later. Uh, we were more on Frank's time. Mm-hmm. We didn't know where we were going, though, so we wanted to make sure it was it, Frank's movement time is usually gray light. And uh, at gray light, we ate Denny Moore beef stew for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> he says, you want a can of this? Ernie's got a can. We'll tell him it went bad or something. <laughs> <laughs> All those were actually given to us. <laughs> but then, you know, the night before when we were coming back from dinner, we had a five by five run down off this mountain right in front of us. I mean, like almost ran into the truck, right? Yeah. Oh, I'd have hit it if I hadn't hit the brakes. Yeah. Yeah. We were all, you know, full up from dinner, you know, snoozing on the way back. And then all of a sudden, you know, my head hit Ernie's seat, <laughs> jams on the brakes. He's son of a bitch. And then here's this elk just, running down the road and holy crap and this is i don't know a mile mile and a half from where we're camped yeah but he was headed that way (laughs) and so actually quite fast too oh my goodness and so frank you know puts that in his memory bank and comes up with this idea that you know everybody's just driving past a lot of this to get to these other places right yeah that's what you know that's what i my thought process was on it you know and i you know we hadn't been in that area you know we hadn't walked any of that so 
That's where you and I went the next day. Yeah, so after we finish up our Denny Moore beef stew, we get on the bikes and we head down to uh, maybe two miles away, you know, around. And uh, he told me where he wanted to go. There was this creek bottom that actually had water in it, and there was a, a pond actually right behind where we were camping. And so we looked at everything on the map and kind of made a plan of, you know, that looks pretty good. North facing, wasn't super high, but it... Thick. Yeah, well, yeah, it was pretty thick. There was places that were really thick in there. Yeah, but I went through some of the worst terrain because I'm not a very good navigator. (laughs) Um, I just, there wasn't like an easy way to get to a lot of these places. So it was just like, we have to endure so we just go through this until we find a game trail or something to get us over to the next next area. And uh, some of that oak brush or pin oak or whatever the hell it is. I mean, it's like you you guys were talking about it. Oh, it's this like 12 foot tall scrub oak yeah. that's so thick that, I mean, it was just miserable. My arms are still covered in freaking scabs and cuts and everything from going through that stuff in the daylight in the more you know in the dark it, it, oh, just terrible but so it wasn't too bad so I, I found a spot on looking at the map where it was pretty easy terrain to at least cross and then start to get up and inside hill and I, I was happy that you got out and oh yeah you, you know because that's what i that's what we had been doing all you know, the whole time. But we've been running into so many guys, you know, it was just like every time we'd go to do it, wasn't it? You know, we'd have a, we'd have a plan, you know, and we'd go back like we, we were searching for water and stuff, you know, and we parked it one day and there was nobody around, was there, right there on the trail. So we, we start back to this, where we figured this water was and how far did we get? Which time? Well, the one where the guy was sitting on the side hill back there, the orange. Oh, um, not far, 150 I mean, yards. Yeah, it was like. And there's know, orange like crazy. You know, so we just turn around, and go back. You know, and and in reality too, you know, like from where we camped with you there and Joe, uh, to where we hunted before, would have been a two and a half hour at least quad ride, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Through some, you know, bad trails, you know. Not not just on the road. I'm talking bad trails, you know, over two and a half hours. So the reality of hunting there was was gone. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you guys didn't want to go back to where you were at and, and try and spike out there again? Well, at that point, I figured the amount of people that had come in from the other side on that other road, you know, it would just be that much we more. We thought it'd be a little bit more know. of the same. But yeah. It's hard to say. But we, you know, we went two hours. We went two hours, you know, back. Found five quads in one and spot. Found five quads in one spot, you know, with all the scabbards. So, I mean, we just, at that point, turned around and come back, you know. So, it's, uh, it was it was kind of disappointing, you know, as far as the amount of people. that I think that was the biggest thing, you know. But there were so many, like, confounding factors. Yeah. You know, there was so much that just... One thing Wasn't, after yeah. another, you know, I mean, that all you, on the there, bad there's, side, there's no way that you could have uh planned for you well, know half of that well, stuff. I mean, the the know, weather's one thing, but the 
the guys, the fires, the everything. But so when we went up on that that side hill, we did like I don't know, it was like two point two miles or something like that. And you know, we went slow and it wasn't too terrible. But you did you did fine. You seemed to be doing. I was fine. Good, was great. Until we got on the road, he said. He says oh, yeah. when you're in the when you're in the timber, you know, you're just picking your way through, and you're taking well, it you're easy. You're taking to, breaks. You're not, you're not trying to chase a gazelle, you know. <laughs> Covered ground, you know. Jesus Christ, you know. But I mean, Adam takes uh, one stride, and that's about four of mine. <laughs> you know, so if I'm trying to keep up with him, it's a little different, you know. Uh, but the road was was like I say the worst part. You know, that on the side hill up there was great. So, so Frank and I are going along, and we seem to find some pretty good sign. You were yeah. excited about it. It was a little bit older sign. but um, There was a lot of sign in there, though, as far as, you know, older and, elk sign and a little bit fresher, you know. And and one of the things that tracks. I think was, was pretty cool about that, and it was a, a pretty good, not like teaching point, but something to, like, understand is that, you know, we found like a wallow or like a seep on the side of this hill with, you know, that's just below that is where all the elk sign was really. Right. I and mean, there was tracks and stuff up there. But um, there was nothing on the map to say that that would have been there. No. You know, we would have never found it had we never walked walked up there. And, um, you know, so we're we're sitting by there and taking a break and i'm like well frank let me see your binoculars you know i want you know mine are supposed to be pretty good let me see how yours are and like oh mine are a little bit clearer you know and we're we're going back and forth and to this point other than danny's elk you had never seen an elk no in the in in the the field (laughs) excuse me so i'm like looking through my binoculars and i'm like yeah these are a bit clear and i'm like and there's a fucking elk (laughs) and and then right, you know, right across from where we were at, mixed in with these cows, like moo cows, which were everywhere, everywhere out there. There's, I thought it was a cow, but it ended up being a, a spike bull, spike bull, just wandering around back and forth, and ten o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so I, I marked it on the map, and uh, we watched him go up, and then. We went looking for him. Frank <laughs> Frank probably took the good end of that deal. Because um, he said, no, I'm not going to. You you guys go. And we did about a four and a half mile loop going from up above where we had, that bull had dropped down on us in the road. Because we were on that same mountain system or whatever right. the hell you'd call it. Hill. It's a big hill. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a big hill. But it was, we did about a four and a half mile walk across there, hunting our way through. And we found, a, you know, a little bit of elk sign. And um, looking at it now, I was showing my brother where we were at on the map. And I think that was a little bit more um, western facing than, than it was north. Mm-hmm. And so I think we maybe would have been better served instead of walking back towards where we had seen that elk, which was to the east. We should have went a little bit more north. Yeah. And and who would have picked you up then? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'd have ended up on the, the silt road. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, 
but you know, we, so Frank got to see elk in the woods. It was seven hundred yards away, but that was only that was a chip shot. You know? <laughs> yeah, he didn't have a pin for that because he had to switch out his. He couldn't use the apex. He had to use his. Well, he used the uh, Kentucky windy. <laughs> but you know, so we there were animals there. There wasn't. They were definitely not talking, and uh, I think the all the pressure. And, you know, we had talked to a guy that had been hunting out there for 30 or 40 years or something, and he said he had called in a, like a not legal raghorn off a private, and he said as soon as it didn't see any elk, it jumped right back over the fence and went to private, never made a sound or anything like that. So, I mean, it's kind of telling you what these... Animals well, were doing. Guys that were in our camp there, that, that they stayed the whole season. They, they were there for the whole season from Kentucky. And uh, Bert's killed what one every year, but three years in a three row. Three years in a row. And and he hit one this year, and he didn't get it, and he shot a bear. But he said that <laughs> the first few days of the season are the best. You know. And that I I truly believe that you know what I mean because for that style on yeah you know it's it just gets tougher and tougher you know each day that that goes because of the the pressure you know more guys more guys more guys and what happens is those out they just go higher 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 or know? move or or they don't move till after dark either you know yeah I was I mean uh, because and, and obviously you know. John's in Montana. We were in Idaho before, and it seemed like, you know, right around that 8th, 9th, 10th is when everything kind of ramped up when we were in Idaho. So you would just assume that the elk would be on the same sort of time frame or whatever. So, you know, thinking about it after that snow and everything, I would have expected the elk to be a little bit more vocal because it's, it's not, I mean, so... When you, you, you talked about, like, gun season here in Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe the deer do turn nocturnal. Maybe the, they get pushed further into these swamps and stuff. But it is not in their nature. They don't just stop rutting because there's a bunch of guys in the woods. You yeah. know? They, 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 they still run around and chase and, and do all that stuff. So, I mean, these elk, is it's part of their... The way that they communicate is vocalization. So it's like, man, what was going on unless we just weren't in the right spots, you know? I mean, I'm not buying that. I'm, I, what I think is is because of the way the how hot the summer was and everything, you know, and then they had those fires out there, and there was a lot of smoke that came into those mm-hmm. those valley systems and stuff too, and they talked about it pushed the elk out of some of those areas, you know, Uh the the DNR actually said that, didn't they? I mean that it was you know, it was smoke. That, bad, you know, it was bad. And but I really, I truly think the, how hot it was for so long. You know, I just don't think that I, you know, that those elk were ready to get going. I really don't. And that, you know, it, well, it picture really, yourself putting heavy pressure on early season whitetail. Yeah. What are they going to do? Move. Yeah, move or hunker down. Yeah. Hey, elk are even probably worse. Yeah. So um, I guess overall, you know, so you guys are, are planning on going back next year. 
mm-hmm. you're you're already planning another trip. What would be some things for the guys that are going out there for the first time, you know, and, and trying to dip their toes in it rather than say, all right, well, we're going to go everything on our backs, just jump into the and and go. Um, I guess what are you guys, what would you recommend and what are you doing differently? What lessons did you learn this well, time? In the areas that we hunted, when we first the first hunted, uh, the dark timber was the best looking stuff, you know, out there. You could, you know, I mean, that's where most of the sign was. That's where he killed the elk, you know, called the elk. Ernie and I busted one out, you know. Dan and John saw a five by, and plus had the them guys had that cow answer him, you know, and it was all within. Uh, and it was within, you know, maybe a couple hundred yards of them trails, you know. But the way it laid out, you know, it's pretty steep and it's thicker than shit. A lot of deadfalls, downfalls, you know, but it's really dark in there, you know. And it seemed like the areas that Ernie and I checked, we walked quite a ways in open aspens and stuff, didn't we? We were in kind of light looking stuff. Didn't find, you know, a ton of sign, nothing, you know. So um it's it's true what they say about the that dark timber they like it you know what i mean they like to be cool and you know during the day and northern you know faces you know they like that but uh and you know we 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 did a lot of looking for water too you know and and most of those old timers out there told us you know don't take that elk long to get to water you know, I mean, he knows where the water's at or whatever, you know what I mean? As long as he gets to it sometime yeah, that night. as long as he gets to, gets to it, it don't matter, you know. It ain't like a, like whitetail, you know what I mean? They're going to come to the creek or whatever, you know, after they get out of their bed, you know. But it isn't like that out there, you know. Um, well, some of it is. But yeah, yeah. I mean. It doesn't you know. have to be. I don't know. First timer, you better be going with someone that's been there. Or you could have a rough time. You better get somebody with some knowledge. I highly recommend you go with somebody that's been there. If you're going to do uh, your own camping and stuff, that's cool. We've heard some great things about for the inexpensive hunt, you can do a horse ride into a remote camp and hunt right out of camp. No quads involved, no quad access. We've heard a lot of good things about that too, you know. And, and it's fifteen hundred yeah, bucks. Yeah, fifteen hundred bucks. Pack and, you all you know, in and come get your meat and take care of it for you. But and, the problem with that is, then, like like Dan was saying, once you're in there, that's where you're at. You know what I mean? You're not going to change areas, you know, because they they brought you in there by horseback. You know, and there was there was places I wished I would have had a horse or been able to ride one. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and you guys seen some of the cowboys that were taking that? Oh yeah. And you seen one chick that was. Going faster on the oh, horse yeah. she, than on the she, quad. On the worst, one of the worst roads. And I said to Ernie, I said, I, I think she pulled off on a side trail or something. You know, she was ahead of us. She was pulling, what, three horses, right? Three horses. And she had six dogs with her. And this chick, man, all of a sudden was just gone, you know. And I'm going, there's no freaking way she's running down this road with that horse, you know. Well, then I said, there's all the tracks. Yeah. And then I, then I you know, like come over a knoll. And I see one of the dogs down there in the road, you know, and I'm going, holy shit, you know. And finally, she was resting the horses, and we caught up to her, you know. And 
I said, my God, I said, you, you're hauling ass through here. And she goes, oh, yeah, I run pretty good, you know. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't ride a quad that fast, could you? Only one guy could. Oh, yeah. The, the, the crazy cowboy. It was uh, Evil Knievel's twin. <laughs> my God. <laughs> or something. I'm going like six, seven miles an hour and managing over these rocks and picking the best spot in that road to go through. Get all the way up, talking with some boys from uh, Missouri. Missouri. All of a sudden, we hear this, and all of a sudden, here he comes, standing up on the quad, cowboy hat, coming through, bouncing off the tops of these rocks, picks his hand up, waves at us, slams it back down on the, you know, grips, and he's gone. I'm going, oh, my God. That's unbelievable. Didn't even have time to get the camera out. Did he have his balls in a trailer? Oh, Oh my God. God. (laughs) Unreal. Uh, so what are you guys going to, what's, what's the plan for next year? What's, what are you going to do differently? What's, um, we're going to cut down on travel time for quads. Um, we're going to, we're going to probably and, we're gonna try and do a base camp, do a big base camp with a wall tent, stuff like that. Back in on, on one of the roads, you know, now we can access from the spot we're thinking we can access several different locations Right. that look really good and be, instead of being. Just leaving your base, you, you know, know, like that. You two can, or three hour run down to it. Now yeah. everybody's got the equal yeah. run to do these things. You know, it might take you 40 minutes now to get to where you're going, or you get something really going, you spike up there. Yeah. Everybody will have the ability to spike from the main camp. And, and where we put our spike camp But it ain't year, my truck I'm driving all the way back we down put that our road. Spike, <laughs> spike camp this year was kind of in a bad spot because the elk were moving through there. We might have messed that up a little bit, but if we wouldn't have done that, we think that somebody else would have would yeah. have taken that position right well, there. Well, we, we've know, got so. a plan for that, too. If it looks yeah. good in there yeah. this year, we're going to put a couple little we'll pop-ups. Throw a couple tents in there. Rope it off for the cows, and then we'll have lunch there on the days that somebody, you know, nobody, might be a few of us up there. there, really, you know, but it, it would deter, you know. These guys rode all the way up to that top, you know, 9,600 feet, you know, and three of them come in there with the quads one day, and they just kind of hung their head. They seen us there, and they just, uh, you know, because I'm sure that's where they wanted to be, you know. A park or hunt yeah, or what. didn't know. Okay. So, okay. But we're going to, yeah. yeah. Definitely, it was a. A learning experience, you know what I mean? And and there were some things, like I said, that I didn't, you know, I wasn't aware that we were going to be riding that far, you know what I mean? Which, it didn't bother me, but I mean, it was Or just, that treacherous. Yeah. <laughs> it was or like, the tent was that small. <laughs> Day <laughs> one, if, cold, if I could have had a tacticam on the front of my quad <laughs> looking at me, you'd have seen one scared son of a bitch many times. I, my eyes probably would have been bugging out. I put the death grip on it, and I jammed, like I say, I jammed my wrist. I can get my fingers together today. Uh, Big John only rolled over I went twice, like this. That's as far as I could get him <laughs> together after I jammed it. You know? Big John, John, he tipped yeah, over twice. Twice was all, you know. Not our John. No. Our John's in Montana. Yeah. So. yeah. But, you know, it, it was like hard to explain, you know what I mean? When we first started down that one, the first road even, you know, there, there was guys, you know, like I say, they were dragging camps back in there and stuff with trucks and I mean, you just, they were knocking stuff off their trailers, you know. And jacks stuff. were ripped yeah. straight up in the, the air. The, the jacks in the back were just ripped off. and you know. I'm going but I like, did oh. notice one thing. Some of them campers had lift kits. 
Yeah. And some of the trailers they were pulling quads in had lift kits with right. the big tires. Big, oh, there's a reason big for Big tires it. on them, and then they had high suspension, you know? Damn good reason. Oh, yeah. They've been in there before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot of camps. Yeah. So, and it's, there's two it, big areas there that yeah. people set up oh, on. And, yeah. But there's a lot of areas. But there's a but tons I mean, of hunting. So, um, elk versus whitetail or elk versus turkey or whatever. I mean, what, what's the allure? What, what's making you go back? You know, cause I think that that's, you know, until John wanted to go elk hunting, I, I didn't really have like a, a big, like passion to be like, oh man, now I got to go. You know, that's something I really want to do. But now that you've done it, it's like, man, I cannot wait to get back out there. Like, well, what, what do you, well, here's what, what's keeping you, what's keeping that drive alive well, or whatever? For those of you that have never been near one of those animals, dead or alive, right? They're, they're huge and they're just as wary. I don't know. I, I don't know how to rank them to a white tail. You know, are they going to put up with the pressure a white tail can? A white tail will slide over 100 yards. Or 200 yards, he may, they may bet over here where you're not messing with them. But elk, I don't know. They say some elk, sometimes you bump them and they'll go to the next mountain. And you're talking, you know, it could be 10 miles. So I don't know, I, I don't know enough about it to actually speak of it. I'm just going by some of what I hear. But it's not. Well, I mean, it would be really. It's not e as easy. I'm going to tell <laughs> it, you but that. It, but it would be really easy for you guys to come back after having a. A unsuccessful and kind of like, you know, for lack of a better term, fucked up hunt, you know, and be like, shit, I'm not doing that again. Like, what makes what what makes you want to go back? Well, we understand that it was a kind of a shitty thing that culminated with all the things that happened. But then I was involved in the only elk killed, and had one maybe coming to me when he smelled Dan and and ran off, and then I was able to go in the next day and help pack an elk out now when you walk up to an animal that big and mind you this thing was estimated at 450 pounds and that's not a huge elk from what i understand but that was a big freaking animal laying on the ground now i shot a smaller deer than the gut pile you know what i'm saying <laughs> you know, so. i've seen them yeah but <laughs> <laughs> they're tasty me too though. they're very tasty <laughs> i see how yours was both sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Got more meat from the back straps of the elk than a couple. Of oh my god, the back straps! When, when, when we did the back straps down there. It was unreal. You hold your hands straight out like this, and you got both ends of the back strap. Yeah. And then the inner loins is what we ate to one day. Oh my god, that was those bad. were about the size of some of those deer's yeah, yeah, the, back straps. Yeah. <laughs> And they wrapped them in bacon. Oh, and my, God. oh my God. Oh, my God. Fantastic. Well, yeah, I mean, like I say, I, I just wanted to kind of get a wrap up of, of our hunt. And, uh, uh, there's a few other things I want to do when once John gets back and we'll we'll do this for his hunt. But I also want to do another podcast about the gear that we used out there because, like, there are so many things that I used maybe that I didn't use that much in Idaho and I used here and but vice versa where i was like man some of this stuff what, is great but i want to save that for the but the but gear. ernie's ernie's best buy of the whole trip jet boil <laughs> badass <laughs> but an example of what you're looking for i think i can kind of put a thumb on it is my two-man tent 
obviously you want to go as light as possible. If you're going to pack everything back a couple miles, which is what might happen, because we're already making plans, we may do a spike camp like three days and have to take everything, including our water, yeah. and walk it in. So you're worried about wait, 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 wait. Well, I've got three things that I'm not cutting corners on. <laughs> yep. And so we'll, we'll get to all so we'll, that. Yeah, the, we'll do that. Uh, on the gear podcast, like I said, I just wanted to get a, a quick one in here and kind of, um, you know, get everybody up to speed. We're, we're back, and uh, this is – We're going to start killing some deer pretty quick here. Yep. Um, I'm getting pretty excited for, for this whitetail season. But that's, you know, pretty much all we got for today. So, like I said, I just wanted to get these guys, and while it was fresh in our heads and, and everything, because – you drink enough beers and oh if you live by away. us though be prepared for a long drive <laughs> <laughs> something else to think about well all right guys thanks for listening that's all we got for today Sit down.